You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day for Wednesday. Wednesday, October 6th. As always, I'm your host with occasionally, sort of, sometimes, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball. Great new site that I am a staff writer for. Going to be writing some Padres stuff there soon. Or maybe if pop culture is your thing, I've written at places like Nerdist, Mental Floss, Inverse, Bloody Disgusting, Film Grid, and many more, and hopefully many more to come. But most importantly, guys, Check out me on Twitter. That's at Javapeno, and you can see me pointing to it. If you are subscribed to the YouTube, which is Locked On Pirates at YouTube, just launched uh, last month. Yes, last month in September. Really good stuff on there if you want to see me doing all the weird mannerisms and, I don't know, if you like all that stuff. Going to be getting a new camera soon, actually, so look forward to that. New, all new HD quality. Just in time for when the Padres aren't in the postseason or anything anymore, I finally get my camera, but nonetheless better late than never or of course follow me not only just on my personal account at javapeno j-a-v-i-i-p-e-n-o also follow the lockdown padres twitter account which is at l-o underscore padres really really good stuff on both of those accounts dare i say that's right both of those accounts guys um but thanks for making lockdown padres your first listen hashtag first listen every day we are free and available on all platforms today's episode is brought to you by spotify green room join me live on the app this uh, what is it? Uh, this Saturday at 9.07 p.m. Eastern time to see the beginning of the Giants divisional playoff series, which might come against the Dodgers. So there's at least some rooting interest for us Padres fans, I guess you could say. Uh, so come join me on the app. Really good stuff. Spotify Green Room changing the way we talk sports. And now finally, let's get into today's episode. We are talking about the wild card game. Because I don't know if you guys heard this, but the Padres aren't in the playoffs. So we got to talk about some baseball. Uh, but I actually thought there were takeaways from the game, which we'll be talking about in segment two, about Garrett Cole and about sticky stuff and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Some athletic stories that I was reading about the Giants and the sticky stuff. So that's going to be really fun to talk about. And then also just came out recording this episode a little bit later. I'm glad that I was really busy yesterday. Sorry about that, guys. Um, talking about the report that Marcus Stroman reportedly is uh, – interested in joining the Padres or more importantly that the Padres are interested in acquiring his services. We're going to be talking about that, what a potential fit would be and how much weight to really put in this rumor. So guys, fun episode. I know unexpectedly fun episode. That's what I keep doing for you. You know what I mean? Even though the Padres are gone, I'm still making content that I hopefully think is good. Sometimes I hope, (laughs) hopefully you guys enjoy it. I don't know. Uh, But anyway, let's get into it guys. Last night, the Boston Red Sox played the New York Yankees. And here's my thing. I have two outcomes It's always like this for me in life. You know that? It's whether it be football or basketball. I've always just got two things I don't want. And other other than that, great, awesome. You know what I mean? 98% of the time, it's just the Boston team needs to lose, please. I'm so sick of Boston. And why am I sick of Boston? Because, and I'm not defending New York. You guys, longtime listeners know that I grew up a Yankees fan, and I still got some love for them a little bit. But my basic thing is they always come back at you and say, well, New Yorker fans are, are evil too. What, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I know, I know I'm not defending that. The re- One of the biggest reasons I hate Boston fans, and there's actually a whole laundry list of them from players they've had to their culture problems to all the sorts of stuff. Go look up the Chris Sale when he hit Manny Machado. Our boy, I don't, I'm no fan of Chris Sale, believe me. Um, it's just that they act like they're so much better. 
You know what I mean? It's like, no, you guys are the same thing. I'm not defending New York when I make fun of the Boston fans. I'm saying that you guys act like you're not that. Yes, you are. Accept it. And then I'll be at least slightly less bad at you. But anyway, they win the game last night, 6-2, to two, the wild card faceoff. And let me tell you, just from watching the game, it was fairly clear early on. And I actually tweeted it jokingly. Um, or I didn't tweet. I actually haven't made the tweet yet. I was going to do that after the uh, the podcast. But I basically... After the New York Post posted some article about here's reasons why Boston sucks, there was this person with the the two the peace sign, this woman on there, a blonde woman, and then it said Boston sucks on her shirt. And my thing was like, yep, the Red Sox are going to lose by – the Red Sox are going to win by four. And that's exactly what happened in 6-2 score. And it's interesting because Garrett Cole was a starting pitcher for the Yankees, and he only goes two innings, giving up three runs on four hits. But in a playoff wildcard game, that's devastating. That's awful. And if you're going to be the second best pitcher in baseball, which I think for a long time people thought that about Garrett Cole, and I think that that officially has been laid to rest. No, it is um, Corbin Burns. It is uh, Brandon Woodruff. I think you could argue that you could take over him. At least you could make the argument. I think some people might even take Wheeler. I think some people might even take, um, I don't know. I, there's, I'm, I'm blanking on some other teams right now. I mean, honestly, though, would you rather have, yeah, you, you probably take Scherzer over him. I know he's older now, but you probably take him just in a vacuum. Um, and that's been put laid to rest. You can't be paid, getting paid all that money and go out there and be outpitched by Nathan Ivaldi, who, by the way, for the Red Sox was awesome. Five and a third's innings pitched, only gave up one earned run on a Anthony Rizzo home run to the right, uh, right field part of the ballpark, the short porch as they call it, no walks, eight strikeouts. Unbelievable stuff from um, Nathan Ivaldi. And I think a lot of people would have taken Garrett Cole in this game. Um, and what I found very interesting about this game was also like, it starts off pretty poor for the Yankees. You have the Stanton hit, which, I mean, I, I was wondering, like, why are you pitching anywhere in the zone to this guy at this point? Like, he's so on fire that, like, you better show throw splitters and curves and weird stuff, but, like, don't throw stuff in the zone. They throw kind of fastball at him, and he yeets it. But because of the Green Monster, it's only a single. Granted, that's a little bit of Stanton's fault. He should have turned that into a double if he was running more. We talk about no hustle with Manny Machado and all that. But um, that should have been a double. And then it ends up not being. Instead, it's a long, 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 long heart hit single. And I get it. You could complain. The Yankees fans, oh, well, if it was any other ballpark. Well, guess what? You didn't win enough games. And that's what happens when you have the home field advantage and when you're in Fenway. Um, I remember Shea Serrano, if anybody's familiar with him, he's a staff writer for the ringer. He's written the, the book of basketball, the rap yearbook, uh, stuff like that. The book of movies and other things, all that stuff. Um, and he tweeted like, if I had a stadium, I'd build 600 foot walls. Nobody's hitting home runs on us as a joke. And that's basically what it feels like when you're playing in Fenway. Um, he also hits another ball pretty hard that goes for a double and then Phil Nevin, Here's the Padres connection, ladies and gentlemen. You thought that I'm just only talking about the wild card. No, I'm finding ways to connect to the Padres. Phil Nevin sending Aaron Judge home. And in my opinion, that was a turning point in the game. Don't get me wrong. The home run from Bogarts was big, although that is more on Cole. If you want to be a second-best pitcher in the game next to Jacob deGrom, you can't be doing this. You can't be going out there and just seemingly not looking dominant at all. I mean, I'm pretty sure, you know, uh, you Darvish would have done the same thing. I'm pretty sure that... Uh, heck, Denelson Lamette could have given you just as much. I'm pretty sure that any pitcher could have done what Garrett Cole did last night, which is not perform well. Um, but aside from that, uh, Stan hitting another rocket and then Judge getting thrown out at home plate because Phil Nevin, for some reason, people are going to be talking about this. They're probably talking about it already on all the cable shows and stuff. For some reason, waving 
Aaron Judge home, who is not a slow guy from what I understand, but certainly not the fastest guy in the world. This ain't Tatis. This isn't, heck, Trent Grisham. This isn't one of those guys, right? Um, Sends him home, and then he gets thrown out pretty predictably because on top of that, the Red Sox outfield is very, very good. Uh, very, very good defensive players. This isn't like the Padres outfield where we're basically carried by a lowercase G good defender in Trent Grisham. No, with Hunter Renfro, with all those guys, uh, Verdugo's pretty good. They're, they've got a lot of good guys there. For, so for you to be sending him home, especially when it's not a speedster, um, it just, I really think, changes the momentum. And I know the stat nerds who graduated from MIT and all that stuff, wearing the Princeton shirts and everything, walking into meetings, are going to tell me that momentum doesn't exist and clutch doesn't exist. Well, uh, it does. Shut up. These aren't robots. And I really think that turned it. Because then you get second and third with only one out. I don't know, man. That feels a whole lot better than just a man on second with two outs. Uh, and I think that that changes the game a little bit. Maybe you throw Eovaldi off. He's starting to throw. I don't know. You know what I mean? And instead, he gets thrown out of home plate. And I think that was a changing point for the game. Phil Nevin, confirmed sleeper agent for the Red Sox, trying to throw the game clearly. Former Padre, uh, kind of beloved uh, former Padre. I know one of my friends, Drew, who long, long time of listeners might remember he was on this podcast because he grew up in San Diego saying how his sister met Phil Nevin. And that's basically the rest of the game. The Red Sox end up scoring six runs in this one. Um, just really rough from the Yankees. You know what I'm saying? And I'm wondering if if uh, Aaron Boone will get fired and all that stuff. But uh, my biggest takeaway from the game is Garrett Cole. I mean, you cannot be getting paid that much money. And also, as usual, I don't know what anybody expected. Uh, Boston sports has been tyrannical for like, I don't know, 15 years now. Even when they lose, like, yeah, you get the Giants beating them in the Super Bowl or Philly beating them in the Super Bowl or the Ravens on a Justin Tucker field goal or, you know, uh, who beat them in the playoffs a couple of years ago. I forgot who it even was. But every time they make the playoffs, they seem to do well. And I have some breaking news for you guys. They're going to at least win a game against the Rays. They're not getting demolished. This is just Boston sports. And for some reason, we're being punished by their tyranny. It's absolutely terrible. But uh, before we get into – no – Tyranny doesn't work for this transition, but still, before we get into the next topic about Garrett Cole, a little bit more, guys, I want to talk to you about something very, very important. It's something that I alluded to before. It is Spotify Greenroom. That's why, don't you just love Spotify Greenroom, guys? It's easy to get into. All you have to do is download the app, and you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. It's the perfect place to start enjoying conversations for, you know, post-game breakdowns, watch parties, whatever, which is what I do a lot. Um, and you can join me. Join me this week, 9.07 p.m. Eastern time. Follow me uh, on the app, and you will just talk some baseball. We'll talk any rumors that pop up. I'm wondering if by the time Saturday rolls around, whether or not Jace Tingler will have been fired. We're officially on the Tingler watch, as far as I'm concerned. Luis Rojas just got dismissed by the Mets, uh, pretty much. They're not renewing the contract or the option on his contract. So we'll be talking about all that stuff. So guys, go download the free Green Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest updates. Follow me there at Javier Reyes, J-A-V-I-E-R-R-E-Y-E-S, and you'll be notified when my room goes live. See you there. Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. Sports. And that's not all, ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of sports and what have you, we're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the grid as teams are back for another football season. And Bet Online is your number one place for all pro and college football this season. Got an updated interface to make everything easy for you from odds, props, and contests, whatever. Uh, head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use the promo code as well, locked on, to receive that bonus. 
Obviously, of course, they got you in everything too. Not just football, but baseball, boxing, basketball. Basketball futures are up right now for MVP stuff, all that stuff. They're getting ready. They're getting set. It's a lot of fun, man. A lot of fun. So bet online, go there where the game starts. And now, guys, let's talk a little about Garrett Cole. Mm. And here's why. Garrett Cole, first of all, just in terms of the, the, the game last night, fastball command was terrible. I mean, he was getting up out of the zone. He just didn't look in control. The guy looked nervous and didn't come through in the clutch. And maybe that's because it was in Fenway. That's what happens. But Garrett Cole over his last like kind of three starts and the season wasn't very good. Giving up five to Toronto, giving up three to Boston, which isn't terrible. Then giving up seven to Cleveland of all teams and giving up, you know, he had been dominant before that, including a 15 strikeout game against the Angels. But even still, when you really needed Garrett Cole, didn't seem to show up this year. He had that one game a couple months ago against the Astros in which, you know, it's the first time playing the Astros. That's the famous you know, the team that everybody hates and trash cans and blah, 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 blah. So he came out there and he stayed in the game, demanded to stay in the game, went full, a full nine inning striking out 14. He's capable of that sometimes, believe me. Garrett Cole's still an excellent, excellent pitcher, but the ship might have sailed on the whole second best thing. And another part is this. Garrett Cole's fastball control wasn't very good. And a lot of people are talking about the sticky stuff. Now, you guys know you Darvish has been a big person of that, right? Everybody's wondering what's going on. You Darvish completely fell off ever since the sticky stuff cracked down. And my thing is, yeah, it might be something that we should monitor a little bit more. And there was an article in The Athletic yesterday uh, that you guys might have missed. And it was by, what's his name? Let me pull up his name really quickly so I get the author right. Sorry, I don't follow the Giants beat writers. Uh, Andrew Baggerly. The Giants' bullpen depth is unmatched in MLB history, but how will its strength play in the postseason? Really great breakdown. I read the piece. Really good stuff. Giants' great organization, which we'll get into a little bit in a second. But one of the things that the pitch, the piece note is, noted is that uh what's it called that the pitching coaches and all that and the staff over at the giants they kind of anticipated the breakdown apparently right the giants director of pitching for convincing them that san francisco was a place they could thrive um banishes group had um What's it called? Uh, strategic reasons. I'm reading from the article. Right now. For strategic reasons for targeting them, too, they weren't pitchers who relied on high spin rates to continue, to succeed. In quotes, we knew there were likely going to be changes with the sticky stuff, the substance rule in the game, Banish just said. It was very prevalent, and I think we did a good job of identifying that as a potential risk for this year. And in fact, stricter rules got implemented across the league. The Giants foreshadowed the crackdown of sticky stuff? Really? In my off-season evaluations, this is also in quotes, it was definitely something that I was thinking about, Bannister said. And we went out and got the right guys where it was almost future-proof. They didn't rely on that for their success. Somebody like Anthony Discofani is a lower spin rate, seam-effect sinker guy. We've got the highest ground ball rate in the game. I think we were just looking ahead, like, what are the risks of this season and what would happen if the pitchers we acquired were affected negatively by that? I'll end it right there. Um... When it comes to that, it goes on to say that they copy a little bit from the Tampa Bay Rays and their perspective on this stuff. But my takeaway is two things. Number one, um, this is because I remember I was telling my mom about this story, too. And she was just like, oh, my God, did they have some in? Did they had an in? Did somebody let them know about all this stuff? And I'm like, maybe. But bottom line is I expecting it's just is it shocking at all that a team like the San Francisco Giants, who are run so well, have an in on this or they just predict this or what have you? No, of course it isn't. You know what I mean? They decide, you know what? What if this does happen? You know what I mean? Let's not go after guys that we know rely on that a lot. And maybe that's something the Padres should have done. Maybe they should have looked at guys like, 
you Darvish, who, you know, the spin rates are astronomically high when before the sticky stuff ban. And then look at him now. You could argue that it's an injury. I think it's a little bit more of not the injury as much as it is sticky stuff combined with just the fact that he is 35 now. And guys, the rules of baseball dictate that you can randomly fall off. It just happens all the friggin' time, man. I mean, or all this Chapman looked really great last year for another example. He's done. Like he's, he's not, he hasn't had like a, a that much of a nuclear fall off though, but like James Karen you know what I mean? With the sticky stuff for him, he is like in triple a right now. And in terms of just fall offs, this is what happens. You know what I'm saying? Guys go from being elite to nothing. DJ LeMahieu, who didn't play in the game for the Yankees yesterday, he nothing sticky stuff related, but that was like a 270 hitter with no pop and no hard hit rate when he was like a 330 hitter with 26 bombs one year. You know what I'm saying? Like it, people completely collapse in their production in baseball, especially after the age of 30, which is why I think it's a really flawed system that guys are only becoming big major free agents by the time they're 30. You know what I'm saying? So it seems have no, some teams have no choice, but to just be like, all right, we're going to give you a seven year deal because we want to get those two years that we think you'll be useful. Knowing that the latter act of those years are going to be bad. Now I'm not saying that, you know, you Darvish is permanently scarred by this, but I just thought that that was an interesting story. I thought it was interesting that, you know, you look at some other teams around the league that do acquire big pitchers like this, the Yankees and Garrett Cole, a little bit different because it happened a year or so ago in 2019 when they acquired him. So, um, you know, they're in for the 2020 season, I should say. So, that's a little bit different. You know what I'm saying? Like a little bit different. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, just a little bit different. But uh, bottom line is you look at the Giants. You look at the, the the arms that they acquired. I even liked when they acquired Aaron Sanchez. They took a bunch of flyers on guys. And I'm wondering if that's a similar approach that the Padres should be making. And again, I just want to re reemphasize that. Is it surprising that out of all the teams, maybe the Cardinals would do this, right? Maybe a team like the Rays would do this, who's mentioned in this piece a lot of how their bullpen depth is very similar, a lot of ground ball rates. They kind of ignore, uh, not ignore, but they're like, all right, the strikeout is cool with the pitchers, but my thing is just keeping the ball in the ballpark, not giving up hit, huge hits. I don't care if you can whiff a, at a guy and make them sh and get really high caliber strikeouts and whatnot, right? That's a good example of someone in the Padres bullpen that, that, we might have misevaluated is Emilio Pagan, who his strikeout stuff a few years ago for the Rays was very good, and he had a decent ERA. But the home runs that he give, he is so susceptible to it that I don't care if you can strike out a batter at that point. You know what I'm saying? Like I think that at that point, it's just like hope that it rolls your way when it comes to ground balls. Look at Mark Melanson; they bet on him. His strikeout stuff is terrible, like some of the worst in the league in terms of strikeout rate. Just to to be exact on Mark Melanson, you know, who at one point everyone was saying, you know, Emilia Pagan is going to be the closer and whatnot, right? But Mark Melanson, just for this year, if you're looking at his strikeouts, uh, 59 strikeouts over the course of 60, no, hold on, 64 and, and two-thirds innings pitched, it's not very good. You know what I mean? He is not a high strikeout pitcher. It's not the worst in the world, but like he was great. He kept the ERA down. And that's kind of most of the time what I feel is what matters the most. And the Giants anticipated this stuff and they, viewed things a little bit more in 3D chess while the Padres are like, let's just go get Darvish. Let's just go get Emilio Pagan. And it didn't pan out. And I'm wondering if the Yankees right now are wondering, oh man, I mean, Gary Cole's still very good, but is he the type of guy? You give that pitcher a whole lot of money because you want to have someone who goes into the wild card game and you know isn't going to let you down. That's when you pay the big bucks for a pitcher that you know you can just rely on to at least not kill you. And Gary Cole kind of killed the Yankees yesterday. At least that's how I feel it. Um, and speaking of kind of low strikeout pitchers and whatnot, we're going to get into one of those in just a second, guys. But before we do that, I want to talk about 
something that's just lovely something that's just just gorgeous just absolutely gorgeous it's it's the best protein bars in all the land ladies and gentlemen of course i am talking about the built bars what i love about them aside from being yummy soft and easy to chew covering 100 chocolate is great variety of flavors everything from coconut to german chocolate to orange to cookies and cream to raspberry shortberry cheesecake you know they've got a rocky road flavor and they've got all these limited flavors that come up all now and then on top of all that they're healthy that's right. They're healthy for you. They are protein bars after all. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. What are you waiting for? Yeah. Yeah, you. What are you waiting for? Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Remember, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Woo! All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, buddy. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Let's transition into the last topic that I want to talk about, which is Marcus Stroman. It happened this morning uh, on MLB Rumors, I should say, is who kind of first uh, the thing popped up, I should say. Uh, Padres considering Marcus Stroman, veteran starting pitcher, will be a focus of the Padres' offseason, and the team appears prepared to shop in the high end of the free agent market. Kevin A.C., of the San Diego Union Tribune writes that Marcus Stroman has been in quotes mentioned as part of the Padres another quotes preliminary deliberations about targets this winter. To be clear, it would be surprising if Stroman wasn't at least on the radar for any pitching needing team, uh, and it is too early in the Padres' offseason to tell if these in-house deliberations will result in concrete interest. That said, Stroman would be a logical upgrade for a San Diego team looking to bolster its pitching core after opting out of the 2020 season and then accepting the Mets' qualifying offer for the 2021 campaign. Stroman delivered one of the best of his seven-year career. 3.02 ERA, 3.95 SIE ERA. I don't know how to actually say that. I've never used that before in my life. Shout out MLB Trade Rubbers. I've never used that. Over 179 innings pitched with a 50.8% grounder rate, 5.9% walk rate that was both well above league average and Stroman's best walk rate since his 2014 rookie season. The right-hander's 21.7 strikeout rate was a career best, if still a below-average figure overall, though a very strong 31.6% chase rate is indication that Stroman left his share of batters guessing. Yeah, so it's a great point. Uh, he did not have a whole lot of strikeouts this year, but he did fool some hitters. And on top of that, Marcus Stroman is also a really good fielder. He always makes some highlight plays every year. So I'd love if he was on the Padres. But the key thing in that article that was mentioned was how it's way too early. And the idea of, and I jokingly tweeted this from my Twitter account, which you can follow, of course, if you'd like, is that like, wow, a team that needs starting pitching is interested in a starting pitcher. So expect a lot of these rumors. That's my first reaction, actually, to this rumor. Or second, first rumor is that, I, yeah, I think Marcus Stroman would be a really good pitcher. And I don't think that what he's been doing is a fluke, although you got to be careful to chase uh, some of his numbers from um, from 2021 is the year we're in, right? Yeah, 2021 with that ERA of his, I think I could see it taking a jump to like 3.3, 3.4, especially if maybe the Padres defense leaves a little bit to be desired, especially with questions about Tatis, a whole lot of questions about Eric Hosmer and some other people like maybe it's possible, especially with the outfield depth uh, with Will Myers probably being back next year. We don't know who's probably going to replace Tommy Pham if they, if they dump him, which I think is what's going to happen. I don't think they're resigning Tommy Pham, especially because of the bad defense. Um, 
So I would be worried about that and maybe not expect the same level of high production. But Marcus Stroman, very solid pitcher. He does not kill you. And he showed up in big games, by the way. When the team was still in playoff contention, granted they still lost and whatnot, he showed up. He showed up against uh, San Francisco in certain games down the stretch. So he's a guy that is feels like a guy that has that the big game cojones is really good. Uh, and I, I think he's a really easy guy to root for when it comes to just his short frame and all that stuff and his really interesting personality. Now, here's my thing. Um, some people don't like Marcus Stroman and his personality, and I understand it to an extent, but I just think that not to get overly uh, too political on today's episode, that's not what I was you know, trying to do necessarily, because I have a feeling we'll be talking about Stroman a lot this offseason, but it was... You know, some people complaining about how he's he's mouthing off about certain things about the whole mascot fiasco. And he still thinks that, hey, I still think there was some questions around this thing, which, by the way, secretly, I kind of agree, too. I think it's weird that, you know, I'm happy that they said that the N word wasn't said in that whole mascot situation. But I do think it's a little odd that we're all like the Rockies can't function as an organization whatsoever. They can't do anything. They don't know how to do. Oh, yeah, we totally believe you. When it comes to investigating a matter that traditionally and historically baseball isn't exactly the best at, which is creating an environment that is conducive for minorities and ethnic groups to succeed and feel welcome. Uh, So we just all of a sudden we trust them on that, that they investigated that again. I hope they didn't say the word. It was reported. We just kind of have to take that at front value. But I don't think that that's the craziest thing Stroman's ever said. He can be. Here's what I will say. Yes, some of his things on Twitter, he can be a little bit like, I know people were annoyed when he was kind of saying like, hey, I, you know, I came different in today's start, even though the team still lost and was kind of having a fall off. I get that to an extent, but I mean, guys, are you really that bad? You know what I'm saying? And here's my thing about that is everybody loves to call players soft when they have 400 followers on Twitter and then say all these things. He's soft and all these things and whatnot. But you guys are getting triggered by two things. One, Javi Baez doing the thumbs down. And two, uh, a guy who's just celebrating the fact that he had a good start. Is it necessarily a good look? No, but I also think two things can be true. Where one, you guys are overreacting. And the same people who call athletes soft that have those aforementioned 400 Twitter followers and would not want the same level of criticism levied at them every single day on Twitter or at press conferences or what have you are all of a sudden getting triggered by a guy who just kind of innocuously just celebrated himself. Is it a bad look also? Yeah, I think that is true. I think that you should just kind of have the right to be like, "Eh, come on, man. You know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe not now, especially when it's been highly publicized, how much of a disappointment your team is this year. Even if you did, by the way, do your job correctly, which he does get that part. But Marcus Stroman, so a tiny bit of a polarizing uh, personality, but I think he's only polarizing by baseball standards. Is that if you understand what I'm saying, like baseball culture finds him polarizing, kind of a proud dude in a lot of ways. But anyway. I think he'd be really good. Um, I thought it was funny last night that he tweeted being like, yeah, man, I mean, the Yankees, like, yet again being eliminated. But Stanton, I mean, he's unbelievable. He's a freak. And Judge performed like an MVP in the second half. Maybe if they just had a little bit more starting pitching help, they might do better. And wink, wink. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's kind of doing, not to invoke the name of Sir Trevor Bauer, he's a scumbag. Um, but, like, he's kind of doing that thing where I wouldn't be surprised if Marcus Strobus starts doing a couple, like, like mentions of that throughout the entire offseason. I wouldn't be surprised what happens to him. And I think that he does deserve a decent contract. Um, it's going to be very interesting. I think the Mets are going to try and bring him back, especially with a kind of low-key uncertainty around Jacob deGrom's future and health. But I'd be very interested to see what the Padres do here. They're going to be a team in the offseason that I think 
one of the most interesting, to be honest with you, teams in all of baseball this coming offseason. I think the Giants are up there. I think the Cardinals are certainly up there because the Cardinals made the playoffs despite a lot of like kind of black hole areas that you don't really trust, like with their starting rotation and shortstop. I could see that team going for a Corey Seager or a, 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 a Javi Baez or what have you, or maybe on the, on the low end, maybe you get someone like Miguel Rojas who I think is pretty solid, decent defender, decent bat, a um, little bit older at 33, but decent bat. Um, I could see them going for him. I could see them also going for a high-end starter. I could see them bringing in a Scherzer. I'm just saying they're one of the interesting teams, Padres as well, not just for who they bring in, but who they may send away. Maybe they give away Eric Hosmer, and by giveaway, I mean like literally give away. Like they ain't going to be asking for anything in return. They just want to get that guy off the team as far as I'm concerned. Um, maybe they'll look to shop Will Myers. Maybe they'll look to shop Anybody, as I will say this, I genuinely, genuinely believe that any move is on the table. And I think it's in terms of percentage wise, right? I'd say 0% anything happens with Fernando Tati Jr. Literally 0-0%. Manny Machado, I do play some sort of, even though I think that in that athletic piece, that they're a little bit like, guys, of course, rival executives want you to do, think that the Padres might do a trade. It's like very like, yeah, because you guys are hoping that we trade Manny Machado to you for as you invoked in the article, like the way that the Rockies got rid of Arenado for like a okay prospect in Austin Gomber, who's okay. Again, okay. Maybe, maybe he might be better than he is actually. It's hard to pitch at course, but anyway, you get what I'm saying, right? So I thought that was a little bit weird, but bottom line is I kind of trust certain, I put some weight into some of these reports. I think that it's a mistake to say that there's zero chance. So Machado, I'll put like a four, like a four or 5% that he gets traded just because if you got some godfather offer, right? Like if the Rays, for whatever reason, came over and were like, we'll give you Shane Baz, we'll give you um, Randy Rosarina and like, and one other guy for Manny Machado, like they would never do that. But like, let's just say that level of a package, you at least have to think about it. I don't think they would do it. He's a potential hall of famer. He's a great glove. He signed for a whole lot of years. That's another part is I don't know how many teams could trade for him because of that contract. And he's really valuable. You know what I'm saying? He's really valuable. It's not like this team is dead in the water officially. You know what I'm saying? So I really highly doubt it, but I put a little bit in it. And I think that the same goes for guys like Cronenworth and Grisham, where it's at least a 5%, at least around there. Then you have other guys who are very likely, or at least more likely like an Eric Cosmer, like a Will Myers, like a, you know, anybody, as far as I'm concerned, maybe a Chris Paddock, maybe a Ryan Weathers, guys like that. Um, So I would say the only 0% thing is anything with Tatis. Otherwise, I could see them buying. I could see them going big in the free agent market. Hey, Kevin Gosman's going to be a free agent. That should be interesting. I'm really curious to see what happens this offseason, and Marcus Stroman is a sign of that. But just be very careful not to put too much weight into the interested in. that. Those are the words, right? There's a difference between in talks with, even that you have to put a little bit less weight into, versus interested in because everybody's interested in Marcus Stroman for the right price, depending on what your team is. The Yankees are probably interested in him. You saw what happened with them last night. I have a feeling that Marcus Stroman would come up at least pretty decent for them. Maybe he'd give up a couple runs, but he might last like five innings for them. I don't know. There's just something about Marcus Stroman that I like in a big spotlight. He feels like the type of guy that's going to succeed. Not as good as a lot of the other starting pitchers on the market, but he's worth a look. He's certainly worth a look. Um, And yeah. And also worth a look, guys, is uh, JustBaseball.com. Really great website that I write for. Going to be writing there soon about the top 10 most tragic moments of the 2021 Padres. Also going to be turning that into an episode. Probably going to be doing that next week. Hopefully, maybe middle of the week or maybe first thing Monday. Or not first thing Monday because we'll have some playoff games to uh, recap. Going to be talking tomorrow's episode also about the Cardinals and Dodgers. Hopefully, you know, one of my two things didn't come true, which is the Red Sox losing. 
Lord, guys, do you understand? Do you understand how excited and happy I would be if the Dodgers lost? I would be thrilled beyond belief. They deserve to lose. And we don't have to talk about all the reasons they deserve to. We'll save that for tomorrow's episode if they don't. And in fairness, if there's one team that could do it, Arizona Cardinals. Hold on. St. Louis Cardinals. Sorry, still got football in my mind. I'm sorry. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun, guys. Going to be talking with Ryland Styles on Friday's episode, I believe. Um, just about all the playoff stuff. Just going to be having a lot of fun because that's my guy. Lockdown Royals. Go check out his podcast. Lockdown Thunder host as well. Uh, I just want to have someone on to talk some general baseball playoff talk, which should be interesting. Maybe some offseason stuff, too. We might do this throughout. We did a Thanksgiving episode one time where we drafted Thanksgiving foods. <laughs> Maybe we'll bring that back. Maybe we'll draft fall things in general i don't know but that should be really a lot of fun guys that's what you could expect for the future of this episode thank you for making lockdown padres your first listen every day it's free and available on all platforms and now go make lockdown mlb your second listen with paul francis sullivan but please call him sully please brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues both past and present that's also free and available on all platforms guys with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, wherever. F- send me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcast app. I would greatly, greatly appreciate that. You know, interact with me, follow the show or myself on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. Fire faithful, homies. Come on, come on.